0: Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mix Club page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Welcome to St. Remain, and that was the brilliant track 87 Days from H. Burner, which came out on Friday. Um, so, as I said, welcome to St. Romain, the February edition. Special one for this month. No mix to be heard, but we have a full two hours with an amazing <laughs> guest. Uh, and that man you can hear laughing in the background is the secret DJ. Thank you very just, much. Yeah, it, made, it makes
1: me sound really lazy then that there's no oh, mix. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, so there we go. Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention (coughs) in corrodes. Um, I'm assuming that everyone has stayed with us, so don't worry about that. (laughs) Uh, So just kind of returning to the the first book, and obviously the first book, like you say, people think it's there's a difference in tone between the first book and the second book. But the first book people see is like a story. And I remember when we were like emailing about this show before, and I was saying about obviously there's like comparisons to Niven stuff, but. Yours is so deeply rooted in well, he, reality. Yeah, he's, a,
1: he, he's a novelist. Yeah. That, that was that was uh, uh, you know his 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 uh, you know uh, his life, if you were. But it was completely fictional story with with you know very very thinly veiled characters. But mine's nonfiction. It's it's just a collection of story. Although to have a beginning, middle, and it would have been like Lord of the Rings if I didn't chop it down and also move the chronology around. So mm-hmm. some things that happened, you know, in the middle of it actually happened long before stuff at the beginning. So it was. You know, it rearranged to have a narrative, because I just thought the first book it was really important. Because I've read every single book about our scene, and it, mm-hmm. it let's let's be kind, they were very dry, you know. <laughs> and you know, I love, uh, I mean, things like Bill Brewster's books are a required reading, but generally, generally, the whole thing was a bit like this is like the biggest youth movement in in human history. The '60s have entire libraries full of books and films. And this thing's gonna be going 30 years three times longer for nearly 40 years now and there's almost nothing mm. so like my, my two the two uh, if you like imperatives for the first book was i just for once wanted it to be entertaining you know mm. that you actually wanted to read it and turn the pages because i found a lot of the, the sort of you know ha- electronic music books to be very, very hard going, you know, very journalistic, you know, It's like, and then Fat Boy Slim was paid a million pounds to to play in Rio de Janeiro. And it was like, you know, describing events, but not by people who are actually doing it. And every one that was written by somebody who was actually doing it was some kind of hagiography or paid and written by somebody else. You know, you could read Falls biography, and it was written by Richard Norris from The Grid. And it was designed to big up Oki. It wasn't designed to be an entertaining read, you know? And there's almost no truth in any of them. They never talk about taking drugs. They never talk about mistakes. They're all, it's an American thing of being a winner, you know, and life's not about winning. It's about continually losing until you finally learn something. You
0: know? Well, this this is like an important thing, I think, for the book is obviously the book starts off and, you know, this is a question for you afterwards, I guess. The book starts off in a very entertaining light. Like I wouldn't say it's necessarily lighthearted, but it's fun. You know, it's in, in that sense. Yeah. But then obviously it goes into a much kind of darker place as you go in, into times like more recent, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Did, when you were, because I know you, when you write, you were saying you were writing, you didn't write it like as one book, you know, you had bits of it all together over time. Did yeah. you always have in your head that you wanted the narrative to almost be the up and down of the hill in some way?
1: No, it was that's, that came a bit later, like I say, about sort of imposing a form on it, imposing a narrative, begin, you know, beginning, middle, and an end, a uh, three act like a three act film, you know, yeah. that came later when you, cause I just had too much stuff. I, I write all the time compulsively in the same way that I make music all the time. And then there's little pieces are stored away. And then one day I'll go back and I'll say, Oh God, there's almost a the whole book there. There's <laughs> like half a million words. And and so some of it was, if you like, I hate this word, but curating a, a body of work that was already there. Mm-hmm. And I was just, if you like, you know, say, Oh, we'll use that bit, use that bit. And sort of almost putting it together like samples, but, but the the creative part, if you like, was trying to make it, uh, you know, readable, short enough so that the people didn't die of old age, try to get through it, you know, uh, punchy, uh, entertain, all the things that you want something to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing is, most people do things these days for one thing and one thing only to look cool. Yeah, That's all that matters to them. Am I cool? Will I get approval by the other cool kids? And I've always t- thought the cool kids were wankers. My whole life, I've always thought the cool kids were dickheads. I've always been on the outside, and I, and I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> I mean, if you if you read anything or talk to me for five minutes, I don't care about things like that. That's why I like Frank Zappa. That's why I don't care talking about classical music. That's why you know I I, I I'm as much a child of, of of northern soul and indeed a northern soul. If you'll forgive the play on words, and I'm absolutely fine about talking about things that don't make me look cool at all. They make me probably look like a bit of a knob. <laughs> but that's 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 part of living an honest life, I think. And and I wanted the book to have all those things. But at the at the heart of it, look look at something like The Office by uh, Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's short. It's punchy. It's headset, head, It's all those things, but it's also almost painfully honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
1: reason why it's successful is there's a guy, and all artists do this. All artists. From Picasso to 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 somebody daft like Ricky Gervais, is they reach deep down in themselves and they bring out something that's almost painful, and that's that honesty, that thing that you're holding in your hand, which looks something like a burning heart, is 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 what people think. Ah, oh, that's for real, that's genuine, that's somebody who's not fucking around. Yeah, and and, and the thing uh, the thing about the first book was uh, there was an element of that where I mean the thing the stuff about being sick at the end and all that I've never told anybody that. I don't talk about it. I don't have funny stories about it. The only people who know about it are my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, but I just thought I had to put it in because there is cause and effect to everything. For every for every party, there's a bill for the lunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that
0: that's one thing, like I would say, before we go into your next track, one thing I would say about the, the, well, both books, but just, you know, your general, I don't want to say persona, that's the wrong word, but... You maybe don't care what people think, but I think you come across as someone who genuinely cares, and I think there's a difference. If that makes sense.
1: Well, that, that's the same thing I was saying about you know the, the, the artist thing where there's this sort of central heart of it all that's 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 you can't you can't fake it because mm. it actually causes you pain or doesn't have any benefits. You know, there's no benefit to me be it being you know the, the 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 grand pain in the ass to the industry. People don't queue up to give me gigs because. I, I tell them that they're doing things wrong, <laughs> no, it know. It, it has no benefits at all, other than makes everything much more difficult for me. So, I mean, boo hoo, your diddums, you make that choice, but it's, uh, it's there's, a, there's a sort of professional, omerta, oh, there's a sort of a way of being in with the cool kids where you do what's right, you don't talk out, you don't grass, you know, mm. all these sort of weird codes that mean you're a good boy. And if you, if you dispense with those, it freaks people out. They, they, they see you as the enemy, as hostile, because you are, if you like, holding a mirror up to their passivity. Yeah. You're saying, you know, I don't give a shit. What's up with you? You know, and they're like, oh, freak, burn him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's an element. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sounding like a bit of a crispy martyr right now, but it's just, yeah, it's a choice. And look, I, I, with for me, I made that choice As as, as a child, I chose a long, long time ago that, and also there's an element of moving around, also being Irish, being outside of things, you know, in in amongst the English. um, It it was about being an outsider since day one. So, you know, in in a sense, you polish, you polish it, yeah, you polish it your whole life.
0: All right, well, very very quick and sharp segue. Let's go into Uh talk about your next track real briefly before we go into it. So we've got change, lovers' holiday.
1: Well, yeah, see, I I sort of picked these things out just... I mean, I could have picked literally a 1,000 funk records or disco records. Yeah. And this is more about orthodoxy. This is more about being a good Balearic dad, uh, you know, part of the scene, you know. Uh, And and the thing is, when because of the polarising nature of these things, where people, they point at you and they say, ah, oh, well, he's not like us, ergo, he's a terrible DJ. Right. It's like, uh, yeah, but how? I can't possibly be a 35-year career in the, in, the, in the game and be shit. I'd be discovered, like, year one.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would have to be the best con artist in the universe to survive this long, if I couldn't play records, you know. So I, I understand them that's the thing is i i can if you like do a perfectly normal house set or i can if you like do your lovely chill out set that's very orthodox it's not difficult i don't think to because there's so much out there all you have to do is, is go on the internet and you yeah. can learn anything you want about you know music if if, if if you're that way inclined if you're sort of mincing about with a digital net for catching butterflies you know sort of spotify is a good example you know just sort of getting the algorithm to find it for you, you know, and that's fake to me. But anyway, yeah, th- what I'm saying is I, as I, as I became older, I became more tolerant. <laughs> so, so I became more and more about, um, yeah, I can play that game. I could go uh, to, to Croatia and, and, and hang out with the other Balearic silverbacks. I, I, I can, I can, I can wear a a, a Balearic silverback skin suit and sort <laughs> of a, a, a pretend to be one of them for a while. And, uh, and, and, there's nothing wrong with that because the these these obsessions these these sort of very passionate hobbyists because mostly they are hobbyists is is that is there's a deep passion they love they love it to death they love it so much it's almost strangling it you know mm. and uh, and they're they're almost like sports fans more than more than what I consider artists they're, they're like they, they love it with a passion that they love Chelsea. And they're also as aggressive to people who disagree with them as as football fans are. So I I find that sort of world very interesting because it's kind of my world, but I'm also, again, on the outside of it. So this is one of those records where I I just... As I said earlier, the funk freed me completely from being just like a... Hugging hugging me when I was a kid was like hugging a deck chair. You know, it was just... I just had no, no soul at all because I was... You know, uptight, lonely. You know, a little bit nerdy, and all that kind of things. Probably still am. But uh, the, the funk was essential for me. That was me in a room, swivelling my hips around like a loony. You know, it's and that's sort of important to me in a very fundamental way. It's uh, I have a love, and and I'm I'm, I'm also the sort of person if you put it on, I will dance. You know, I'm embarrassing dad. Like, oh, sit down with you. You know, it's like shut up. I love this. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> so this. Uh, the change thing was—I was just I was just, uh, just going through records the other day. I think some kid had sent—I'd been sent a promo, which was using a, a change sample so blatantly, right. so so at the front of it. I was like, why would I even listen to that? And I, I, and it made me go and go and seek out the original one because kid, the, the kids think you don't know what the sample is. Yeah,
0: you know what I mean,
1: I I don't need uh, Shazam to tell me to. <laughs> I'm I'm not. Uh, if you've been doing it a long time, you don't need aids. You, you, can, you can do it anyway. You, you've got knowledge, you know? So I was like, that's straight away. Name that tune in one is, you know, it's Change. A change were, a, were a, a chic copyist band. It was an Italian guy, because the Italians were brilliant at copying things. They were like the Japanese, but in the 1970s, you know, instead of the Japanese copied uh, techno, technology, the, uh, the, the Italians copied culture. So they did like spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were brilliant at, at, at copying American stuff. And this was, this was a great example. Change were, you know, a European copy of Chic. And, and, and brilliant at it. So good, they're almost as good as Chic, you know. So, yeah, uh, that, was, that was probably the most waffly I'm going to be. None of that made any sense. <laughs> I, that's fine. I enjoyed it. It was yeah. good. Uh... None of that made any sense. But I do love the funk. So, uh, let the funk commence. Let
0: the funk commence with Change and Lover's Holiday. so coming off change, lovers holiday. Um, and now we're moving off the first book and onto the second book. Um, and for me, I'm, sorry, Gareth, I'm just
1: going to interrupt because I think what I was driving at before with all that waffle was that I do believe there's joy and there's love and the sunshine in music, right. which is, it's which is valid. And I'm not one of these people who, if you like, is a professional goth where it's like, I, I, I equate my coolness with how, how, how clever I am and how cool all my choices are. I also like, really cheesy beautiful happy things because I'm a real person I'm not a, I'm not a pretend cool kid yeah. you know what I mean so something like the lovers holiday it just it just fills me with genuine joy and god knows I'm a, there's if you, you know, if you stab me just like it's like opening the guts of a shark There's just dust and number plates and fish heads and, you know there's almost nothing inside but if you put on a record like that I will actually get up and dance and it fills me with a genuine Almost childish joy. So uh, I think that's what I was trying to say before. If, uh, it, it took the record itself to to make me to make me confess. <laughs> I like that.
0: Here's a question for you: When you DJ, do, yeah. you, do you move? Or oh you God, racist? yeah. I mean,
1: again, one, one, one of the one of the many things I'm criticised for is not taking it seriously. Really? You know, really? Yeah, I was oh, I was told God. off by my first agent, who's a big one of the biggest agents. This is in the early mid '90s. She's like, um, "Do you think you could stop?" Messing around so much when you did, I'm like, what? She's like, and and, and I was like, are you asking me to have less of a good time? She was like, yes. And uh, and I also got told off in in a uh, shall I name the club? I can't. The the coolest club in London. I got told off by the owner once, you know, for sort of waving my arms around when I was DJing and stuff. And I was like, are you you asking this party to be less party like? Uh, And he went, well, you know, this is us. I was, like, I was like, have you any idea what that sounds like? You sound like a maniac. This also to once in, a, in Ibiza's Coolest Club. I was talking to the owner about how minimal it is. I said, oh God, can you imagine if somebody just played a tune? It, this place would just, just would explode. He's like, oh no, 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 no. We can't have that because people get tired and then they stop going to the bar. Oh, so God. I was like, so your policy, your entire policy of one of the coolest clubs in the world is based on spending money at the bar. And he was like, yeah. I said, have you any idea how cynical that is? He was like, yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, this is the thing that I've said in some of the books is that those sort of scowling, uh, you know, jegging wearing techno goths or the, you know, work where Jedward Bleric dads and all the coolest people in the scene and all the coolest clubs, they're as driven by finance as Ministry of is. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lie. It is a big lie, a lot of that coolness that, you know, th- th- there's, you know, that that guy dressed just like Andrew Weatherall, like a, like some sort of an Edwardian chimney suite. He's financed by Saudi oil. I know he is because I know who, 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 who bailed that club out that employs him. Mm. So it, that sort of thing of sort of cocking your snook in one direction and being attracted to another. It, these days it all comes from the same stuff. And, and you can see that really large with business techno and EDM. They're almost exactly the same. It's just the music's different, but they have exactly the same approach, exactly the same production values, exactly the same focus on personality and show business mm. rather than art. They're almost indistinguishable now. And that's the same with almost every art form. It's become the spectacle, which is, uh, you know, the uh, treatise by Guy de Boer, Guy de Boer, in, in the 1960s in France, he's one of the situationists. He, he, he wrote long ahead of all this, that in the future, only like for instance, it doesn't matter that, um, that David Guetta's mix is not plugged in. All that matters is everybody talks about it. That the, that, the, uh, that the reportage is more important than the actual thing. And he was absolutely right. This is exactly what we live in now. A, a sort of a fake a fake culture where the cool is as fake as the commercial. They're almost exactly the same thing. They've just, one of them's got, you know, black leggings on and the other one's, uh you know, prancing about waving his hands in the air. It's the
0: same thing, though. It's funny because one of the things my mates and I used to talk about as we were, when I was DJing a lot, obviously not understanding you were, but when I was DJing a lot, when I was living in Bristol, we used to talk about the fact that as much as we hated what EDM was what defined EDM and what it was becoming it was like for every ten people that listen to an EDM track, like one of them will find.
1: Well, yeah, of course we, we, we did it, embarrassing things in the nineties. EDM completely saved our industry. It was dead before EDM came along. It needed a shot in the arm, but. What has what's happened is that the money that's required to keep these industries alive is also influencing the art. Yeah. So yeah, but also yeah, you're absolutely right. You you, you could you could go to you know Garland's or or, or Sunday Essential the '90s, and what's the difference between that and EDM? And people did quite rightly, as you say, become more sophisticated. And what we talked about earlier about learning, you do have to learn, mm. you know, and you find your own way. But there's nothing wrong with. Having a, an adult discourse about the pros and the cons. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, that's the thing. I think people are very polarized now. So there's a lot of people talk to me. They always say this thing when they meet they go, Oh, you're all right, really? <laughs> it's like, well, What does that mean? What do you mean you, you arrived here having never met me thinking I was horrible? You know, and they were like, Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but Because they've polarized me, because I'm critical of things. They never hear me being positive, even though I'm equally positive about things. They decided that you're either very much of their thinking or very much not of their thinking. Yeah, this yeah. polarisation thing is all because people are so bombarded by information now. They, they, they have to make snap judgments and they have to, if you like, compartmentalise things in the face of this vast, you know, chavalanche of, 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 of rubbish that, that, that flows over them every moment of the day, so they so they compartmentalize and simplify everything. So it's like that's what this be kind thing. This be kind thing I find really sinister. It's really Californian. What it really means is shut up. Yeah. because you know, people the people who say be kind the most are usually the most horrible people I've seen on the internet. You know, but it's this idea that you never critical, and that also that critic the critical voice in itself is negative. Critical voices aren't negative. They're absolutely essential. You know, it's it's how you learn, and we're now getting a sort of, if you like, a generation growing up that's being told constantly that it's amazing, and I was told constantly that I was a shit out when, when I was little. It was like, you know, I you know, said came running back to school to me, mom was like, mom, oh the kids are giving me a nickname. I, they call me pr- the professor. And she's like, it's not because they think you're clever, love.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know, this is so, the first time I played my mom one of my records. She said, is it over yet? You know, it's. <laughs> And I think these things are essential. And also, it's a humour as well. There's a humour. Uh, uh, this is why I, I often find the north-south divide is is at its most vast. It's a vast chasm, sarcasm if you like, between the north and the south. is is, is about as a cultural one, mm. and it's based on sort of humour. I mean, the, the, the southerners are not soft in any way. They they have a almost brutal. Uh, culture about I mean you know, I've never met anybody I mean more more sort of uh, hard than some of my london friends and it's not about hard or soft it's about um, a kind of directness you know what I mean and there's a real directness and, and I' have I, I basically become if you like very good at what I do over the years because I was told I was shit all the time in spite of it. But what we get now is everybody's constantly encouraged and led to believe that they're, you know, a, a, a special phenomena, you know, a unique paradigm when, you know, they're just really boring and ordinary. And I think in order to cease being boring and ordinary, you have to understand that you are in order to, 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 to overcome it. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, and again, I'm, I, I think I'm getting to that sort of, Late middle age thing now, where I'm actually swinging back towards the center and becoming a bit more reactionary and a bit less sort of, um, yeah, again, the the current discourse means you can't really have nuance. You can't say these things. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I've just said them. Perfect.
0: All right. Well, (laughs) I was trying to think of a way that we could loop in the word electrician into any of that. But Nobody I can segue into this record. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I was trying so hard to think, how am I going to turn this into the next track? So I'm not, I'm just going to go straight into it. The Walker brothers, the electrician.
1: Well, hit. strictly speaking, this is very Scott Walker. I'm not sure his brother had much to do with this. If you see any of Scott Walker's later stuff, you know, he's a, a, a another grand onion in the custard. He's a brilliant, a brilliant sort of uh, one-man awkward squad. And yeah, this is my favourite song about CIA torturers.
0: Wow I did not know That was what the song Was about yeah. <laughs> What's yours My favourite song About Syria C- Well oh, I don't know yeah. I've just got A whole list of them I'll have to go through it
1: <laughs> I love saying I I say Oh it's my second favourite song About torture You know people go Oh what's your first favourite <laughs>
0: Funnily enough, my mum was obsessed with the song Golden Brown by The Stranglers, talking about The Stranglers, mm. until she found out it was about um, heroin. <laughs> and then she yeah, was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't like it anymore. I was like, until it doesn't change it the in three, song. Four,
1: yeah,
0: until it was, she found out it was in 3-4 time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then she thinks it's sending her insane. Um, but yeah, all right. So why the, Why this then, other than it just being a favorite, one of your favourites about torture? <laughs> it's, a, it's because it's just, again, uh, we've
1: been talking about this thing about the message and the carrier, yeah. where this is, this is a thing of great beauty. Great, it's, it's a beautiful work of art that's wrapped around a deeply dark heart. Mm. It's literally a song about torturing someone in a container with electricity, you know, and, and it's made beautiful. And that to me is art. That is that is high art. Mm. It's, it's 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 got a message. It's got a meaning. It's got a, a, an intention. But it's also incredibly engaging. And that, that was a lesson I tried to tell you. I was talking earlier about the books where I was like, there's some dark stuff in here. There's some learning stuff in here. And all of those things could be quite boring. So you've got to also make them beautiful and also make them entertaining. So so Scott Walker, you're, you're, you're sort of, if you like, your Balearic, Silverbacks will say, Oh, yeah, he's you know, he's sort of super cool, but you know, he also made beautiful things and and sort of if you like, cool has almost killed beauty. Mm. You can't have beautiful things now. Cool things aren't beautiful, cool things are slightly painful, and to be endured rather than enjoyed. But you know what? When it when it, when it's right, when it's at its best, it's both really, really intriguing and clever and also a little bit beautiful. Amazing. All right, the Walker Brothers, the electrician. <laughs>
0: So that was the Walker Brothers with The Electrician, which I've yeah. now discovered is all about torture. So fantastic. Yeah. Um, so talking but about... also very
1: bold, very bold for, for an American in... in uh, this would have been the 60s, in the American an American to talk about American torture mm. overseas. It was also deeply satirical at a time when you weren't allowed to criticise, where it was Californian positivity and hippies. And here's a guy saying, you know, what happens is we also attach electrodes to people's nuts in <laughs> deserts. You know, and 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 putting it in a in a almost like a pop record that was almost like an easy listening arrangement, you know, that's art. That, that to me, oh, that like to Mick Jagger, then ow, that's art. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's good. This is a this, right. uh, this is good lunchtime list. Good lunchtime. Well, listening, recording. Um. So let's just carry on, kind of, with the, the books. Because I said, we've, you yeah. know, we promised promised that I'd get your books in so your manager doesn't look sad at us. Um, <laughs> Looks disappointed. Yeah, constantly he's, disappointed.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a nice man.
0: He's a nice man. Um, so we've gone, right. So we've done book one, we've gone into book two. And mm. obviously, for me, book two, and I, I remember when I was sending this, writing this email, and it, soapbox is the wrong word. It wasn't the word I was going for. But I feel like the book one got out like a more of a story, whereas book two was yeah. kind of more of a. Sort of almost like an essay, in or a bunch a group of essays that kind of talked about different things. Is that how it felt to you? Well,
1: well, time time moved on. So when I wrote the first book, which is actually you know some of it was written in the nineties, you know some of it was written a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also you know designed to survive. If you do something and people don't like it, that's the end of your writing career. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wanted the first book to be entertaining. I wanted mm-hmm. people to read it and to want to read another one. But then you have the difficult second album syndrome as yep. somebody said once to me and it was like um, uh, what do you do now and, and what you, what I am obliged to do during this ridiculous age we now live in and it happened really quickly over the past sort of five years, it seemed to go from sort of zero to absolutely fucking crackers. In about four or five years, it was unheard of almost. And we went almost straight back to the eighties to the sort of bleakest time that I remember in my life. Mm. And we just went almost overnight. We became uh, living in, I won't mince words, a a sort of light fascist Mm. state. And I just think it would be deeply irresponsible not to talk about things like that, but also how much our culture mirrors it because everything that happens in art and culture is a reflection, a microcosm of what's happening in the macrocosm, in the big story. And every time I saw somebody play graving or business techno, or, you know, I, I, I live literally, if I, I just turn around now, look out my window, I can see the, uh, the bastion in Ibiza, where the, um, IMS gig mm-hmm. is, you know, mm-hmm. they have a gig in the, in the castle. Mm-hmm. I live completely right opposite that. And, uh, I went to IMS whatever the last time it was a couple of years ago, before COVID, and I saw about ooh, must have been six or eight DJs. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of, of sort of DJ of going to see DJs. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a busman's holiday. But because I was at the conference, I must have seen about eight or ten of the of what would be considered the best DJs, the coolest DJs, and none of them had headphones. <laughs> Right. There was, there was. Just, let's say there was eight of them. Eight of the world's coolest, most credible, and most expensive DJs. One of them had the, at least had the the, 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 good graces to wear it as a novelty hat. Excellent. He had a pair of headphones on his head for the entire set, but didn't actually use them. And they're just literally like magician's assistants. They just press play, and then they just the, 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 the most pressing thing for them is what to wear. Mm-hmm. You know. And I just found that, and this is, the, this is the peak of our industry. This is like the Olympics. This is the IMS. This is only industry there. There's no, almost no punters, you know, and uh, and I was sort of just wondering, wondering around, going, what the hell's happened? Yeah, you know, because 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 nobody's objecting. All the conference chat is about. It's not about you know. Hang on a minute. Why is nobody mixing anymore? oh, hang on a minute. Why are people only choosing records because they go with the last record? It, it, it's It's all about you know uh, how woke everything is, which is which is good. We need to do need to talk about that, but you can talk about both. But the industry never criticizes itself. It just um wrings its hands temporarily as lip service and then just carries on doing the same sort of thing. So I was also seeing things like diver- diversity being talked about, but also those same diverse acts being driven to death. By mm. the management, so they care so much about diversity that they're willing to drive you into the grave. <laughs> you know what I mean? and and they don't care about how diverse their acts are. It's just a form of marketing, mm. you know. So it, there's this sort of, so if you like, a sort of thin layer of civilization on top of what we do, and nobody ever pokes through the crust. Of the, of the creme brulee of shite you know to, to, to get to the meaty stuff underneath they don't want to do it and nobody wants to do that no the truth is never popular. The last guy who went around telling everybody the truth was nailed to a tree you know it's it just there's, there's no they're, they're shot in the head you know people like Martin Luther King or Jesus Christ or or'm or, I'm not I'm not comparing myself to those I'm just saying nobody <laughs> likes nobody likes that level of truth. Nobody likes that amount of change. Yeah. We're basically very conservative, you know. So I just felt that with this thing, I had a voice. The second, the first book set it up, and it had to be talked about because we are literally on a precipice now—a precipice of just not giving a shit about anything except ourselves, which is just so toxic. It's almost unbelievable. It's just me, 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 me at every level. The, the top, the toppest leader to the lowest person is only interested. In themselves, they've completely done a job on socialism. We'll, we'll probably never see it happen again. You know, it's been—it's been not that it needed much help. All you have to do is put two socialists in a room together, and only one of them will come out mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> with a full belly. You know, it's—it's just—it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's a very—it's come to a, a pretty pass. Everything right now, and some people don't like it, but you—but you just feel like I—I I felt obligated to address it. At least, because nobody else is gonna, yeah, you know. And 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 what happens is, again, it just gets polarized. Half the people see it and go, "Oh, what a tosser! <laughs> you know, Will you just shut up and, and, and retire?" You know, and uh, and the other half are like, "Yeah, well done, well done," and absolutely
0: nothing changes. <laughs> just I mean, say exactly the same. But at least you can say you tried. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, that was the thing. Like, obviously, for. The, well for all industries but when we had blackout tuesday and i was like yeah I, I appreciate everyone putting a black square on their instagram but oh hopes and hopes and prayers yeah but i also know the the racist abuse that my wife has received and so mm. i don't really have that much faith in people putting a black square on their instagram
1: it's it's, it's hand-wringing yeah that's the thing it's just it's being seen to do something and the more seen the better and it's raising awareness but it literally it's yesterday's chip it's today's chip paper yesterday's news yeah it's just it's it's a distraction it's actually part of the distraction machine if you're going to be really critical about it it's actually making it worse by not addressing something practically by only talking about it and then it's like Spotify. Don't get me started on Spotify. I'll start myself on Spotify. But it turns it turns something that's moral and artistic and vital into a video game. It's how many points you score. So it's it's not about changing people's attitudes to race. It's about how many people have used have, have, have spread your meme. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, you'll say. I, 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 Uh, How did you do today, son? Well, dad, I got like 300,000 people to spread my meme, and it's well done. Oh, my boy, God, God loves you. You And it's like, actually, did you actually change anything? Not one bit. That's my boy. (laughs) It's just, it's, 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 uh, uh, lip service. It's, uh, and, and also, it's also worthwhile. But like any complex issue, why polarize it? Why can't we? do the lip service and the hand-wringing and also try and change things. But ultimately, and now people are going to switch off, the problem is capitalism because eventually there's money involved at some point in changing things. Mm. And that's when nothing happens because it would require sacrifice. And that's the one thing we do not do anymore is to say, okay, I'm going to pay some money to a union. Or yes, I'm going to not take that gig because it's wrong. As soon as the because uh, capitalism, because what we call late stage capitalism now is that and libertarians, they're, they're a real problem is that they've made everything into a market. Everything morality is a market, emotions a market, sex is a market, everything's a market. So it's, um, it becomes again like a video game, it's about who scores the most points and has absolutely nothing to do with actual change. So it's the like we said earlier about Guy Debord's Society of the Spectacle, the spectacle. The the showbiz, the the impression of everything has taken over actually doing something for real. So we live in a, a, a plastic society, top to bottom, everything from, from politics to, to to pop music.
0: Yeah. You've actually
1: speaking given me... Speaking of a... pop music, speaking of pop music, segue! I know you just give <laughs> me the pepper. I was
0: like, how could Oh, so we can talk about being stuck in the past. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Excellent segue. Prefab Sprout, a Completely prisoner of the accidental. past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's been building for like three minutes. I was like, "Yes, this is going so well." Don't I just, move did my- man- <laughs> I just did a little, just a little man we Then I was so excited. I found <laughs> found a link. <laughs> so let's pretend uh, we that was that was planned all along. Um, yeah, talk let's. about this one first.
1: Well, yeah. Again, uh, trying not to be cool. Just trying to be honest. Yeah. I really love pop music, I, I think that it's an art. It's like the difference between drama and comedy. Comedy is actually harder to do than drama. Yeah. If, you, if you've ever done any acting, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, like, a, it's a, like being a ninja having <laughs> I mean, that sort of level of control. And, uh, and pop music, I think, is really important. And it's one of those things that still really moves me, a record from, from the past, that sort of um, Proustian rush you know, sort mm. of, of almost sort of erotic nostalgia where something like a smell can just transport you back. So obviously, if you like, pop music has been like milestones through my life where I've absorbed them subconsciously. I might never have bought the record. But, you know, obviously, again, you try to explain to people who weren't brought up on the internet were brought up on the internet that before the internet was the radio and the radio was everywhere it was Mm. in every shop in every car in every taxi every bus every every airport you know there's radio music playing and pop music is a it's almost like a if you cut my leg off you can count the rings of, 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 of all the pop records you know because especially if you're professionally involved in music um pop's almost like a sort of a a, a sort of membrane that exists above you and around you and uh, and you're almost not participating in it. But very early on in my career, I was, I was on top of the pops and I did sort of uh, chart things as well. And I was also a producer and an engineer. So I've worked on some pop records and I got a great respect for it, but for me, Prefab Sprout or, or to a lesser extent, something like the the Smiths or uh, we don't want to talk about Morrissey, but (laughs) something like, um, you know, uh, they're all Irish lads. Morrissey, Paddy McAloon, uh, the Pogues as well. Great lyricists, mm. uh, you know, poets. Paddy McAloon's a poet. He's a great, he's, he's, he's got that incredible combination of, you can really write a song, he can really sing, he can really um, deliver a message. But he's also, again, quite dark, but presented in a very beautiful manner. Almost twee. Mm. He's deliberately, uh, if you like, saccharine as, as a form of satire. So... You know, something like Hot Dog Jumping Frog, Thomas Dolby, what a producer, one of the greatest producers who have ever lived. So these records sounded amazing. This this one, not so much. It's not a great production, but it gives an idea of the overreaching ambition of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the sound. It's almost operatic. It's incredibly catchy, but the message is phenomenally dark, as dark as The Torturer. You know, it's about, you know, a, a, a utterly bleak a failed relationship you know yeah. so again that, that theme is emerging where for me true art has all these things it has a sort of if you like almost a cheesy element married to a deeply dark element and all, all the time presented in a very very highly professional manner and and I, I guess that says more about me than it does about anything else.
0: Well there we go then Prefabs, yeah. A Prisoner of the Past <laughs>